You're listening to Pastor Stephen G. Lightfoot's podcast, Sermons and Homilies by the Reverend Stephen G. Lightfoot. Pastor Stephen is an ordained elder in the Global Methodist Church and serves as senior pastor to First Methodist Church Splendora and Shepherd Methodist Church in Southeast Texas. Here is today's episode. Part of living the holy life for us as Christians, as the church in the world, is loving our neighbors, even those who we don't particularly like. Say it isn't so. But it is so. There is a proper response for us as the church to those out there beyond those doors who don't have any desire to cross that threshold and come in here and hear the gospel. Jesus loves them and therefore we are called to love them also. It's not easy, but it's necessary. Our epistle today is in your bulletin. And I will be reading a portion of it this morning because I want, to, I want to, to focus our talk this morning not on the first half of that uh, epistle, but on verses 17 to 21. Listen to what Paul writes in his letter to the church at Rome. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a powerful scripture. It's not easily lived into. And yet this is what we're called to do as the church, as Christians, as Christ followers. We are called to love those who aren't particularly lovable in the worldview. One of the most difficult things to get a handle on in the Christian walk, in this sanctifying journey we're on, is to learn to love our enemies, those who who persecute you and spitefully use you, as Scripture says, those that do harm to you, those that abuse you, that take advantage of you, those that speak ill of you, and those that that mock your belief in God and His Son and in the Holy Spirit. See, our natural reaction, our natural human reaction to this hostility is what? To retaliate? Or is it just me? Our natural reaction. 
We want to strike back. We want to lash out at those who have hurt us. We want to give them a taste of their own medicine. Give them their just desserts. How many cliches can I use in one paragraph to describe our natural human reaction to the hostility that the world shows to us as Christians, as the church, as the body of Christ in motion in the world? Our natural tendency is to want to give them exactly what they're giving. And it it seems to me more and more these days that we have many opportunities to love our enemies because as Christians, we have a world full of opposition out there seeking to eradicate our beliefs and in some cases, uh, us along with our beliefs. Let's face it, being a Christ follower these days is not for the faint of heart. You've heard me say that because it's true. It's not easy being a follower of Jesus. And when I, when I first consider this passage of Scripture from Romans, particularly these last few verses that I just read from from Paul, it it seems to me that the part about heaping burning coals on the head of one's enemies might be contradictory to the whole love your enemies idea. When I I see things that don't quite fit in my mind's eye about Scripture, when I read something that seems contrary to uh, a, a God of love and mercy, a, a, a contrary to what I know Jesus would do. I have to pause and, and really examine that passage. What does it mean when it says burning coals, heaping burning coals on someone's head? I mean, isn't that an evil thing to do to someone? Wouldn't heaping burning coals on them be an act of vengeance? Even if the phrase was meant to be figurative and not literal, isn't doing something with the intent of shaming someone or making them feel bad in in kind of a a tit-for-tat kind of way, isn't that just being malevolent? Isn't that being just like the hostile enemy that's coming against us? And so if we pause to look at this, Heaping burning coals imagery. First of all, I have to consider that one thing that God's word never does is contradict itself. Even if it appears that things are just a little bit askew, we have to dig into the larger context to understand what it is the word of God is saying, because it is never contradictory, always complementary. What appears to be a contradiction regarding the heaping of coals on a person's head is really no contradiction at all if we take time to investigate closely. And so here's what I found out about that. In ancient times, and even in some cultures today, people would carry heavy loads on their heads wasn't uncommon to see women especially carrying large earthen jars on their heads and the jars would be filled with water. Have you ever tried to carry even a gallon of water on your head for a period of time? 
or, or baskets filled with wood or stones or bricks. In ancient times, as in some cultures today, the center of life, of family, and the home was the cooking hearth, the fireplace, not just ornamental back in ancient times. It was the center of the home. The fireplace was central to life. Bread was baked there. Water was boiled there. Food was prepared there. Heat was provided for the home from the hearth. And the fire was kept going all day, every day. If the fire ever went out, it was not a small thing. Lighting a fire without a lighter, especially one of these electronic ones that we use where you push a button and and the spark goes across until you touch the wick and poof, there's a flame. No, they didn't have that back then. They had to either use flint or rub sticks together. It was much better if you just kept the embers burning. That way, when you needed the fire, you added fuel to it and you had fire. But if it went out, you couldn't call the company and tell them to come light your pilot light for you. You had to get a pot, clay or metal, and you had to travel with it to your closest neighbor. And you had to ask them for a few burning embers from their fire. And if they were extraordinarily generous, they would fill your pot, your vessel, with burning coals. They would heap burning coals onto your head, ensuring that you could rekindle your fire back home. Heaping burning coals on the head of your enemies makes a whole lot more sense to me now. Knowing Jesus the way we know Jesus What this passage is telling us is that we are to treat our enemies with not just kindness and decency. Hear me now. Not just ordinary kindness and decency. But rather we are to treat them with an extraordinary measure of generosity. If we do that, we just might give them the ability to light a fire of love and kindness in their own house. See, this is the proper response to hate. Heaping burning coals on our enemies, showing them not just kindness and decency, but extraordinary generosity. Well, it's easy to say, Pastor, but how do I get there from here? How do I get to the point where we can respond in that way to those who have hate in their hearts just for us? How do we respond in that way to those who are so very different from us? Here's the thing I found to be crucial. In making the transition from that human desire to retaliate to that holy desire to love your enemy. 
you have to keep in mind, we, we must remember that we are all of us broken people in need of a Savior. All of us fall short of the high standard of glory which God alone attains. We have to resist that natural human response to those who are not like us in some superficial way. And then we have to see them through God's eyes for who they truly are. One of God's creations a creation of the Most High God, loved and cherished by God, uh, a person who God desires more than the other 99 sheep to run after and bring into the fold. It's not always an easy thing to do for us to see people the way that God sees them. Because some folks are just downright hard to love, aren't they? I mean, let's just be real. Some folks are hard to love. Look at some of those people through worldly eyes. Yeah, those people. Have you caught yourself thinking of other people in those terms? Look at some of those people. They have issues. They have behavior problems. They have attitude problems. They are mean-spirited. Some of them are really different from me. They believe differently than I do. Those people are strange, weird even. Some of them are really hostile and they want to hurt me, even kill me just because of what I believe and who I believe in. And if I really think about it, sometimes I am them. We are they. You want to get on the sanctifying road? You want to be like Jesus? You want to have holy, a holy life in this life? You have to look at things differently. What if we looked at those people differently? What if we looked at them through God's eyes and saw them the way that God sees them? See, God has the ability to see things differently than we do. His ways, Scripture tells us, are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That's what his word says. Paul says in his letter to the church in Rome, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. King James Version is even better. Even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. How, how awesome is our God who can see things that are not in the natural world and with his spoken word call them into being. See, God can transform the hateful person into the loving person. 
Where, where love is not, God can call it into being as though it were. God can transform the hate into love. He can change hearts. He can change lives. He can make enemies into friends simply by seeing it and speaking it. See, God takes what they mean for evil and uses it for good for his purposes and for his honor. And here's the amazing part. We, you and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us as believers, we can put that transforming power into action in our own lives and the lives of those around us. See, we have the ability through the Holy Spirit in us to look at them not through worldly eyes, but through God's eyes. We have the power to claim for them the true nature of their being. And while we're at it, we can look at ourselves through God's eyes and see ourselves as the image and likeness of God, the way he created us to be. You can look in the mirror and see yourself holy. Because God calls into being that which is not as if it were. See, it's not your power that transforms you into a sanctified, holy person. It's not your willpower. It's God's power. When we see people the way that God sees them, when we treat each person, even our enemies, with that extraordinary generosity and the love of Jesus when we heap burning coals on their heads, they are transformed. And oh, by the way, we are transformed right along with them. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than any other? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's Matthew 5 verses 43 through 48. Jesus tells us that we are to be perfect. We are to be as God created us to be. Now you might be saying, but pastor, how on earth can I attain perfection when I am only human? Listen to what John writes in 1 John. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. 
But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. See, there's, there's the key to obtaining perfection. Abiding in Jesus. Putting your hope and your trust solely in Jesus. The blood of Jesus covers us with his redeeming mercy and grace. And through him, because of what he did for us, we are purified. Through Jesus, we are made perfect. And in that perfection, we have the ability to see through God's eyes. Perfect people respond to the hatred of others with extraordinary goodness. Write that down. Perfect people respond to the hatred of others with extraordinary goodness. Why? Because we are commanded, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. It's a mandate. It's a command. Be perfect. Be generous. Be compassionate. Be holy. God wants that for you. Picture this. What would happen outside those doors? What would happen in our region? What would happen in our country? What would happen in our world if if everyone treated their enemies with perfect goodness, the perfect goodness of Christ? What would happen if we saw our neighbors and our enemies through the eyes of God and loved them as our Father in heaven loves them? What would happen if we were not just the hands reaching out into the community, but arms that wrapped around our community with love and acceptance? See, the supply of souls out there who need Jesus is never ending. You could, each one of us, go out and lead 10 people to Christ every single day and we would never run out of people who need Christ. This never-ending supply of people that need Jesus need us to go and heap burning coals on their heads. The opportunities to be kind to people and share the good news of Jesus Christ with people are more than abundant. They're limitless. And so the possibilities of transformation, of salvation, are limitless also. One more passage of Scripture for you. Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. In the fifth chapter, Paul writes, From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. 
Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's your ministry in the world. You as a minister of the faith are to go and reconcile people to Christ. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us, the church. So, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal to the world through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We have a lot to consider this morning. Loving our enemies in order to live the holy life for ourselves. We need to be in prayer this morning. As we are about to embark on this study of entire sanctification, living a holy life now, we dare not venture into that subject without intensive, continuous prayer. And so let's begin with a prayer right now as we go into the rest of our service. Abba Father, help me remember today that we are all broken people in need of a Savior. Help us remember, God, that we all fall short of the high standard of glory that you alone attain. But through your son, Jesus, and with the leading of the Holy Spirit, we rise above our brokenness and are made perfect. And so, God, help me to resist the natural human response to those who are not like me in some way. And enable me, give me eyes to see them through your eyes for who they truly are. a person of your creation. Someone that you want to be a child of the Most High God. One that is loved and cherished by you. One that has sacred value and sacred worth. One who is made worthy through the blood of Jesus. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our final hymn is I Am Thine, O Lords, page 535.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Come back again next week for a new message. And until then, may God bless you and keep you.